the Lord has really given me a burden for this service, and we've been uh, actually preparing for it. We've had special prayer meetings over it and everything else because the Lord had dropped something very basic, very simple into my heart. Matter of fact, I've already taken seven pages of notes and just took them completely out of the sermon because the Lord wants to speak specifically, just very basic and very simple. One of the things that I have found out that a lot of times when you dig those gold nuggets out and you have to really dig to get something, it's powerful, it's rhema words, they're wonderful. But I have noticed that most of the time that God deals and God moves more in simplicity than any other thing. I have seen that God just sometimes just does great. some of the greatest things that God ever done was so simple. Have you ever noticed that? Because he wants to make it understandable before the people. And a matter of fact, salvation, look how simple it is. Just believe and confess and repent and you're saved. Isn't that marvelous? Give the Lord praise for salvation today. <laughs> Hallelujah. This morning, if you open your Bibles to Psalms 103, verse 1 through 3, we're not going to be there long. Then I'm going to give direction of what I feel like that the Lord is speaking to us. We're going to have victory in this house. I said, there's victory in this house. I can't hear you. I said, there's victory in this house. Come on. Yes. You got to get in with me. You're the cheerleaders. You're the bystanders. You got to get in. You got to stir up the atmosphere. Stir it up. Let's believe for the Lord to do great things among the people. Psalms 103 verse 1 through 3. Very familiar passages of scripture. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his friend's benefits. Bless the Lord, O my soul, he said, and forget not his friend's benefits, who forgiveth all of thy iniquities, who healeth all of thy diseases. Jesus. Before I get started, that very first verse, it just says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me, bless his holy name. Can we start this service out by just blessing the Lord? I want to hear you bless the Lord. I want to hear you praise the name of the Lord. Just bless the name. Stand to your feet and bless the name of the Lord. Give him victory shouts. Give him hallelujahs. Give him glories. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord and all my soul and all that's within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. We praise you. We extol thee, O Lord. We give you glory. We give you honor. We give you praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You may be seated. You know, one truth that is revealed in this beautiful psalm is the fact that God heals. How many believe that God heals? Healing is one of the benefits of, uh, that one receives by knowing God. Those of you that are believers in Jesus Christ, and because you do believe in him, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God, then you can be healed. This is why the psalmist said in verses 2 and verse 3, Bless the Lord, O my soul, forget not his fringe benefits. He's a God that forgiveth all of our iniquities, praise God, but he also heals all of our diseases. First and foremost, we have to understand that this is the very nature of God to heal. That God's nature, it's in his character to heal you and I. One of his Old Testament names is found in the book of Exodus chapter 15 verse 26. And it testifies of his healing nature. His name Jehovah Rapha means I am the Lord thy God that healeth thee. I am the Lord thy God that healeth thee. How many can take him by his name? Can you take him by his word here today? Should it be thought strange that God, whose nature is to heal, would express his nature to his children through his son, Jesus Christ. That's how that God expresses his nature to us, is through his son and through the Holy Spirit. Let me ask you a question. Could a God of compassion and love do anything less? As a matter of fact, healing and miracles characterize the very ministry of Jesus Christ. We quote this scripture all of the time. It's one of my favorite passages of scripture in Acts 10 and 38, how that God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth 
with the Holy Ghost and with power who went around doing good and healing all that was oppressed of the devil for God was with him. And when you look at that passage of scripture and when you study about divine healing, you see that there is afflictions. You see there's sicknesses. You see there's diseases. You see there's infirmities. Uh, there's all kinds of different kinds of things that goes on. And Jesus combated them a little bit differently throughout the word of God. But then there's also this thing called spiritual oppression. The Bible tells us that Jesus went around doing good, healing all that was oppressed of the devil. We know that all disease and sickness came by the fall of man. When man sinned and come short of the glory of God, then the earth was cursed and man was cursed and the ground was cursed. Everything was cursed. And through those curses came the sicknesses and the disease and the infirmities. But here in this scripture, we see that the enemy had oppressed people. And matter of fact, in the book of 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, it says, the Son of Man has not only come to forgive men of their sins, but the Son of Man has been manifested to destroy the very works of the devil. Are you understanding what I'm saying? In Adam all die, but in Christ all shall be made alive. I'm here to tell you, we got not only a redeemer here today, we got a curse reverser. Amen. Can I have an amen? That who is cursed can be reversed by the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm here to tell you that God's about to break some things. Here in a few moments, we're going to have an altar call, and there are people that are pressed. There are people that's got infirmities. There are people that's got sicknesses. There's people that's got diseases. There's people that's got just different kinds of things, ailments and different things of that nature. And when we call you up, if you're oppressed, you know what the word oppressed means? In the Webster Dictionary, it just means subject to harsh or authoritarian treatment. It's like the enemy's trying to tell you that he has authority over you. Can I tell you, the devil does not have authority over you. You do not have to be oppressed. You do not have to be cast down all the time. You don't have to be beat up. You are not a throw rug or a punching bag to the devil. You are a believer. And today, if you are oppressed, where there's fear and anxiety and doubt and worry and all that kind of stuff going on in your life, when you come to the altar, I want you to come to the left. If you're sick here today, and I don't care what kind of disease, I don't care if it's a sickness, I don't care if it's an infirmity, I don't care what it is, I want you to come and go to the right. And then if you just don't know what's wrong, just come into the middle. Because I'm here to tell you from A to Z, God's going to take care of it today. Hallelujah. Are you listening to me? He's the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end, the first, and the last. He's the author of our salvation. He who saved us is going to see us through. He which begun a good work in us, he's going to perform it. God is not slack concerning his promise to us, word. He's out to battle for us. He's here to bring divine healing. He is manifested to destroy the very yoke and the very works of the devil. How many believes that? If you believe that, praise him for it in advance. There shall not be no spirit of darkness prevail in this service today. There will be no demon that will bind in this service today. There will be no spirit afflict here in this service today. I declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And today there's liberty in Christ. And those that know the truth, they are free. Hallelujah. He that hath the Son has life, and he that has not the Son has not life. But those of us that have life, we have it more abundantly in Jesus Christ. Oh, hallelujah. Jesus also had the testimony of the people when he 
healed the deaf man. And that we could go through all kinds of them. I'm just going to give you the ones the Lord laid on my heart. And he had a spirit of... He had a, uh, he was a deaf man that had a speech impediment. He couldn't talk straight. The Bible says in verse 37 of Mark chapter 7, it says, and they were beyond measure astonished. How many's ready to be astonished? Well, half of you are. How many's ready to be astonished? Does the palace of praise believe that God can still astonish us? Amen. And they were beyond measure astonished saying he had done all things well. He made both the deaf to hear and the dumb to speak. And when I began to look at this, uh, I, I thought to myself, this is, this is very powerful and very unusual to a certain extent. Here was a group of people, and they brought this paralyzed man or this, uh, excuse me, deaf man. I got, I'm trying to get ahead of my notes a little bit. They bring this deaf man to Jesus, and they ask him, put your hands on him. And they asked him this because they seen him laying hands on the people and the people were being healed. So they bring this deaf man to Jesus and they said, lay your hands upon him. And this deaf man had a speech impediment as well. And Jesus looks at him, takes him and pulls him out of the crowd and takes him out by himself. And I thought, well, why did he do that? And a lot of people, I believe it as well. You remember when Jairus' daughter had died and they went to the house and Jesus walks in and says, why do you make this ado? Why are you weeping? Why are you crying? She's not dead. She just sleeps. And they laughed him to scorn. And Jesus had to literally get clean the house out before he performed the miracle. You know, he had to get rid of the doubt. He had to get rid of the unbelief. So I, right now in the name of Jesus, before we go any further, I rebuke every spirit of doubt in this house. You don't belong at the palace of praise. This is a faith-based place. Huh? There's no doubt. If you believe in Jesus Christ, would you signify it by the laying of the raising of the hand here today? That's our faith signal. That's us saying we're putting our stock in him. There's no room for doubt. There's no room for fear. There's no room for, for all of this unbelief in the house of God. And Jesus pulled him off to the side, and the Bible says that he stuck his fingers in his ears. He spit and touched his tongue. Some weird things can happen in the house of God. Amen. He just, I don't know, sticks his hands in his ears. And uh, if you come up here and people start sticking your hands in your ears, just say, man, what in the world's going on up here today? Anything can happen in the house of God. Come on now. And then he spit and he touched his tongue. The Bible says, he said, be open. And immediately his ears opened and his tongue was loosed. And I got to looking at that and the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And he said that the speech impediment was a, was a problem due to the fact that it was caused by his hearing. You know, most of us know that if you've got hearing problems, a lot of times people that have hearing problems have speech problems, especially if they have it while they're young because they can't hear how the language goes and they can't pronounce all of the, sibyl, uh, the, all of the vowels and different things. And all of a sudden they have problems. They have impediments of speech because they can't hear properly. My wife always says, can't you talk way too loud? Be quiet. Well, I can't help it. I can't hear myself. I got hard hearing. And it's true. And I'm loud because, uh, haven't you ever heard de uh, deaf people when they talk? Hey, how are you doing? Hey, Amen. Well, that's kind of the way I am. And she says, you talk way too loud. Well, I can't hear. And half the time, mine's, huh? What? Hmm? And I blame that on all this Pentecostal music up here. But I love it. 
I'm going to get my healing of the hearing today. I don't believe I'm going to have to put hearing aids in my ears. I, I, I'm not against that, but I, I just believe God's going to heal me. Today. I might as well receive it for myself. Amen. But he had a speech impediment due to the fact that he couldn't hear. And when Jesus healed him, he not only healed him of his deafness, but he healed him of the speech impediment as well. The very root, the cause of his problem was hearing, but the consequence of not hearing was the speech impediment. And the Lord just spoke to me in this so sweetly. He said, do you know how many people have all kinds of different kinds of diseases and because of procedures and because of medicines and because of all the different things that that has caused, it's caused all kinds of consequences. Come on now. There's things that, there's procedures you go through that causes you consequences. There's medicines you take that's got what they call side effects. Come on. There's problems that we have developed over a root cause in our life. And the Holy Spirit said, not only am I going to take care of the root problems, but I'm going to take care of the side effects. Come on, somebody. You may have had cancer and overcome it, but the, you know, the radiation's made havoc on your body. Well, I want to tell you, body's fixing to begin to be conformed back to what it's supposed to. Some of you have took medication and it's harmed your liver and it's caused this and it's caused that. Well, I got news for you. God's not only a God of the cause. God is a God of the healing of consequences. And he's a healer of also of the side effects that's going on in your life. God's about to turn this place upside down by the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Oh, give him praise with me, folks. Matthew 9, I'm going to have to hurry because I already feel like it's lightning that we're going to have to get into this thing. Matthew 9 and 35 says, Jesus went about healing every sickness and every disease among the people. The people embraced his ability to heal in Matthew 14, 35. They brought unto him all that were diseased and as many as touched his garments, they were made perfectly whole. Say whole. Our, in our declaration, all about wholeness. It's not just about being healed, it's about wholeness. Can I have an amen? And the Bible says, and they brought the people to him. They wanted to because they believe that he would touch them. How many of you are here today coming together, bringing people because you believe in the power of God? You believe that God is not just going to, he's not just a bystanders in the heavens that's sitting there elusive and, and cold and indifferent, but God is actively involved in this service today where two or three are gathered together in his name. He's in the midst of them and he's here to perform his mighty works. And he's here, he's here to literally do great and mighty things among his people. Can I have an Amen. His fame of healing grew until the Bible says in Luke 6 and 19, the whole multitude sought to touch him for there went virtue out of him and he healed them all. It is said again in Luke 4 and 40, all they that had sick with divers diseases brought them unto him and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them all. Have you seen this? Amen. Isaiah the prophet himself prophesied that Christ would be the provision not only for man's mental, not only for man's spiritual, not only for his well-being in a spiritual sense, but his physical being. Listen to what he said. Surely he's borne our griefs, he's carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. He was he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. I like that. All that's about the cause of the spiritual. But listen to the next verse. But through his stripes, we are healed. Say through his stripes, we're healed. 
through his, say it again, through his stripes were healed. Third time's a Through his stripes were healed. Jesus took upon himself our physical infirmities, and there is no disease which is incurable to him. As surely as our Savior can save, our Savior can heal. Matthew 4 and 23 says, And Jesus went about all of Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of diseases among them. I like when it says all manner of sickness and all manner of diseases because they're different. There's sicknesses, there's diseases, and there's a big difference in even how the doctors treat them. But he healed them all. He healed all sicknesses. He healed all diseases. There's nothing impossible with him. Nothing is impossible to God, and there's nothing impossible to believe in him. Jesus healed all manner of sickness, all manner of disease, and can I tell you that he is immutable and unchangeable. He is the same yesterday and today and forever. The church can enjoy the same blessings that the early church enjoyed. We can enjoy divine healing at the palace of praise. Can I have an amen? Some would argue that divine healing was just for back then in the Apostle Creed, in the Apostle Age. Well, they haven't looked back in the Old Testament long enough because healing was all throughout the Old Testament. And can I, I, can I ask you, why would God heal under the dispensation of the law, but not under the dispensation of grace? It is so clearly defined and established in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, that it served as a schoolmaster, and it was an example in the shadow of heavenly things. The law was what a schoolmaster, and it was our example, and it, sh- and it served as a shadow of heavenly things that was to come. Did not the Old Covenant serve as types and shadows? And it, it was not abolished, but the law was fulfilled. Is not the new covenant of grace in Jesus Christ to be a better covenant? Come on, somebody. Is it not to bring forth better promises of better things that is to come? You think the Old Testament and the law, some of the things that were done was great? How about the New Testament of the things that's even to come that is to be better than the Old Covenant uh, 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 miracles? Hebrews 8 and 6 says, But now hath Christ obtained a more excellent ministry, by how much more also he is a mediator of a better covenant, which was established upon a better covenant. To take away divine healing would violate the scripture that the New Covenant is better than the Old Covenant. But I want to tell you, thank God we're not under law today, but thank God we're under grace. Thank God, we're under the grace with Jesus Christ, which is a better covenant. And the things that our forefathers seen and experienced cannot even compare to the promises that hang over our head through the new covenant of Jesus Christ. Look at John 21, 25. And there also, and there are also many other things that Jesus did, which if they were written one by one, I suppose that even the world itself cannot contain the books that would be written to testify of them. Can you imagine that the Bible literally tells us that Jesus done so many miracles, that he done so much stuff that if it was all recorded that the earth could not handle all of the books. You look throughout the scriptures and it just builds your faith of all that Jesus done. Folks, that ain't even a drop in the bucket of the things that Jesus done while he was on the earth. He done miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. They couldn't record them all. Come on somebody. And I want to tell you he's not stopped performing his miracles. Jesus himself said in John 14 and 12, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me in the works that I do, he shall do also in greater works than these, shall you do, because I go to my Father. Now, I want to clarify something. Christ gave the Holy Spirit to the church so they could do greater works than what he did, and, and we should accomplish those same works. Now, those greater works does not mean that we're going to do greater things, greater exploits. It just means that they're, they're greater in scope, but not in kind. And what do I mean by that? Why are they greater? The greater in 
in the sense that Jesus Christ was in his human body and he was bound to one geographic, uh, geographical location. He couldn't be everywhere. But what makes it greater today is that the Holy Spirit is everywhere and believers are scattered out throughout the earth. So there can be healing here and healing down the street and healing over in Dexter and healing out in Minnesota, healing in China at the exact same time. Because he's not limited no longer to a what? A his physical human body. But now he resides in you who is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And now by the working of the Holy Spirit through you, we can have signs and wonders and divers and miracles at a greater level due to the fact that we're everywhere at all times and that God can bring forth healing around the world just like that at the very exact moment. And this also tells us that those of you that are afflicted or oppressed or hurt or bound or tormented here today, you don't have to go anywhere else looking for anything. Why? Because we are the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Greater work shall he do through us than he than 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 anything than than the devil can stop because we are the body of Christ. Can I have an amen? You and I are anointed of the Holy Spirit. We are are his hands extended. We are his body. We are to work the works of Jesus Christ. There are many different ways that God uses men when it comes to divine healing. In the New Testament, the church, there were many different methods that God used in order to bring about healing. There were things, he spit in the ground, made mud, put it in people's eyes. He spoke words, he laid hands on them. People had to touch him. There were all kinds of, he told them to go do certain things, go show yourself to the high priest. There's all kinds of different kinds of ways that Jesus healed. And today, I'm not going to be paying a lot of attention upon them. We know there's the laying on of hands. We know there's the call for the elders of the church. We know that there's the uh, healing through the preaching of the word. The, he sent the word to heal them, and as he preached, and as he spoke the word, people were healed. We also know that uh, there's the uh, anointing with oil. There's all kinds of different kinds of practices. There's all kinds of different ways and methods that God's going to use to bring about healing. But what the Lord's laid upon my heart is the fact we have two choices here today. And then I'm going to close. We can sit around and feed our doubt and be destroyed. Be de and we can destroy our faith if, by us murmuring, complaining, and groaning, and moaning, and griping, and feeling sorry for ourselves. Or we can start believing and start exercising our faith and believe God will heal today. And there's something about this exercising our faith. That just seems to be the key words at the Palace of Praise. Right now. Start exercising. Our problem of it is I'm overweight and I get out and exercise one day and look down. It ain't gone nowhere. As a matter of fact, it builds up energy which makes you want to eat more. So why exercise? I'm joking. Our problem of it is because we exercise just one moment or maybe last week we exercised our faith and prayed and nothing happened. Does that mean we are to stop? No, we keep exercising. Man, I'm here. I'm, I'm touching a nerve right now because this is the, where the enemy's been wearing people out. Well, they prayed for me about five weeks ago and nothing happened. Nothing's changed. So what? We're still exercising. Watch out. Come on. We're still building up. Come on. We're tearing things down. Come on. We're fighting opposition. We're pulling down strongholds. We're pulling down fear. Somebody help me preach right here. 
This is a word in season for somebody. You sit around and say, well, man, I've been praying over this for a year. Well, you're a year closer to receiving than you've ever been before in your life. It's not a time to doubt now. You've been exercising for a year. Don't quit. Don't quit. If you do, you'll go back to the full amount of the doubt and the fear that you possessed in the first place. Just keep on exercising. Come on, keep on doing the right things. Matter of fact, uh, we can start, we, we got to start appropriating the atonement of Jesus Christ. Uh, he doesn't want us to wait. He wants us to pursue him today. So much time we just keep waiting for a feeling, a nudge, a evangelist, a prophet, a word. God's given you a word right here today. And it's time to start pursuing your divine healing. We must learn how to apply the provision of the cross. This is, true. This is the truth of the whole matter. Healing is a friend's benefit of the believer. Let me quote it again. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Forget not his friend's benefits. A God that forgiveth all of our iniquities and heal all of our diseases. The atonement for sin and healing has always been inseparable. Can I tell you that? The very stripes that appease God's judgment on Christ's back while he went to the cross, he took our chastisement, is the very stripes that heal us. And matter of fact, this is why that Peter said in his epistle in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we be in debt to sin shall live unto righteousness by the whose stripes we were healed. Isaiah prophesied, with his stripes we are healed, but it was Peter that said, with his stripes we were healed. Isaiah speaks of the healing in future tense, while Peter speaks of healing in the past tense. Isaiah was saying the stripes of Jesus will bring you healing, but Peter was saying the stripes of Jesus has already provided your healing. So I want you to notice that Isaiah was looking forward to the cross, and the cross had not come yet. He was looking for the dispensation of grace, and he was saying, when that comes, you're going to be healed by those stripes. Peter looks back and says, it's already came, boys. It's already there. It's already yours. It's a free gift. Grab hold of it. Appropriate. Which is better? I'll tell you who's better. It's Peter. I'm here to decree that divine healing is waiting for everybody here today. Whether it's mental healing, physical healing, emotional healing. I don't care. Financial healing. I'm here to tell you the Lord has just woke me up this week. She rattled my cage and he told me that he's ready to start blessing his people people. He's ready to pour out of his Holy Spirit. And God wants to bring healing throughout this body. You may ask, well, what happens if we start praying and nothing happens? Keep pursuing him like the woman with the issue of blood. Don't quit. Don't stop. Keep pushing. Her journey was a process. It was going through and the multitudes kicking her and throwing her and stepping on her feet. She went through a process. When you come up here, all hell's going to come against you. Every spirit's going to fight, it's going to oppose, it's going to try to afflict, it's going to whisper in your ears. Everything in the world's going to run through your mind. Come on, somebody. And it's a process. Well, what happens if they pray and, and, and it don't happen? You just keep believing and you keep exercising. You know what? I have made up my mind. I have made up my mind as a pastor that I'm not going to quit exercising this thing called divine healing until everybody in this building is healed by the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe it's God's will to heal. I am sick and tired of our people being afflicted. I'm tired of them wasting all their money on medication. I'm tired of them coming in and they can't even stay awake in the services because they're so drugged up. I'm tired of doctors putting evil reports over our people and they listen to what a doctor says and then it's a curse because it's been spoken in the ear and it's devastating. I got word for you. Who's reporter 
are we going to believe? We're going to believe the report of the Lord. And the report of the Lord says you're healed. The report of the Lord says you're free. The report of the Lord says that you are free in him. Can I have an amen? God wants to heal in this place today. Can I have an amen? Keep applying, keep appropriating the word of the Lord. And just because it don't happen when you want to happen, just keep on exercising. Just keep on going. Keep on believing. Keep on pleading the blood. Keep on invoking the name of Jesus. Keep on praying. Keep on letting people lay hands on you. Keep declaring. Keep decreeing. Don't stop. Because it can be so disheartening to have a level of faith and come up and nothing seems to happen and people all around you are being healed. All that's just showing is that's a testimony that God's a healer. Your time's coming. Hang in there. There were people that waited 39 years at a pool of Bethesda. Surely you can wait just a few hours or a few weeks to get your healing if that's necessary. I'm just here to tell you, don't ever give up. Keep exercising your faith. As long as there's breath in you as a member of this church, I don't care how low you get, I'm going to believe healing for you. And don't try to talk me out of it. Amen. In closing, I'm going to use this story. Mark chapter 2, there's, Jesus goes to a house in Capernaum, somewhere in Capernaum. He goes there to preach. And the Bible says that the presence of the Lord was there to heal them. And he preached the word unto them and taught them. And the place was jam-packed. Because his presence were there to heal them. And man, I want to tell you, you get things happening in this house, you better come early. There won't be no place to seat. That's where we're headed. Balconies are fixing to have to be put in. Hey, hey, where America's at right now, they need to see some wonders. They need to see that God's real, that we're not serving a dead God. And I'm believing for it with everything in my heart. This generation, man, they're not even, they don't want to listen to you at all, but they're curious in what you do, and they watch, and they observe, and they're ready to see some things. Amen? And when they start seeing it, it'll help them to believe. Nevertheless, this house is full. There was a paralyzed man. He had a palsy, the scripture talks about. He couldn't get there, and four men had enough compassion to go pick him up, put him on a cot, and carry him all the way down there. And when they get down there, of course, the enemy set up roadblocks. They couldn't get him in through even as even close to the door, the Bible says. Now, can you imagine people that are standing there in good health, not having the courtesy to say, hey, guys, we got a man here needing a miracle. Let's let him through. No, 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 selfish. They wanted to pile in and be around this Jesus and didn't matter if they needed to be touched or not. Let, 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 let the old crippled man out there, let the old man with a palsy, the paralyzed man, just let, let him go without. But nevertheless, the four men said, no, we can't accept this. He's here we don't know. We got to take advantage of his presence. We got to take advantage while he's here. And they lift this man up on top of the house and they start tearing off the roof. It's a process, it's a journey. That's hard work. Lifting dead weight way up on top of a roof with ropes. And them men then start tearing off the tiling, breaking a big hole enough to put a body through. Tie him off on a rope and lower him down where he won't get hurt. Come on. And I want to tell you, there's some of us in this house can be sacrilegious. We can be self-righteous. 
well, if they had more faith, they could be healed. Well, what about your faith? Why don't you heal them? You're to lay hands on people and they're to recover. When people can't believe in for themselves, it's time for the church to take up the slack and start believing for them. Can I, can I have an amen? Sometimes people need a boost. Sometimes they need a little help. Sometimes they need to be carried on the shoulders of men. Sometimes we got to bear the burden of the, those that have the infirmity and those that are sick. In our prayer time this morning, I was talking about how that it's easy for me to say, oh, my brother's got cancer here. I believe, man, mess, God, you're going to be healed, blah, blah, blah. Let me get cancer. It's a lot harder for me to believe for myself than it is for me to believe for you. Amen? Amen. It's easier to believe for somebody else, but when you are the one that's facing it, it's a little harder to do. Matter of fact, it's harder because of all the pain and all the sickness that goes along with it and the, the infirmity and the throwing up and the, and, the, and, the, and the laying awake all night and being wore out and exhaust, being exhausted. Come on. These people sometimes are on their deathbed and they got to have somebody to come along and say, hey, Enjoy the journey. Get on the cot. We're going to carry you. We're going to bear you up on our shoulders. And we're going to take you to the feet of Jesus. And going there, there's going to be a lot of obstacles. There's going to, it's not always going to be an easy journey just to bring someone into the presence of God. When you come up here, you're coming through the threshold of the presence of God. And when you do, there's all kinds of demonic forces standing there, sweeping down, fighting, opposing, doing everything it can to try to rob you from getting at the feet of Jesus. But these four said, uh-uh, we're just going to keep exercising our faith. We're going to keep on keeping on. We're going to keep on doing it until finally something breaks, something changes. And they lower him down at the feet of Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. For you to be healed, I have to exalt you. I have to get you built up in the faith. I have to somehow make you believe that divine healing is real. That's what ex exhortation is. It's me exhorting you, say, divine healing's real. Look at the scripture. Look at the healings. Look what Jesus did. That's what I've done throughout this sermon. What have I done? I've lifted you up like those men lifted them up on, a, on, on top of a... See. But then in order to be healed, there's got to be a moment of bowing down. There's got to be a moment of humility. Then there's the letting down where that humility falls to where you begin to accept him on the basis. Not by, it's not by the works of those men that got it done. It's simply faith in him. And when they hit the ground with him, Jesus looked and marveled at their faith. And you know what he said? Thy sins be forgiven thee. And the scribes, the religious bunch, stood there. Why, he speaks blasphemy. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus perceived in his thoughts of what they were thinking. And right there in front of everybody, he has a rhema word and he corrects them. Well, is it easier for me to say, thy sins be forgiven thee? Or is it easier for me to say, take up your bed and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has power upon the earth to forgive sins. I say unto you, take up your bed and walk. And he took up his bed and he walked. Yeah. And right now, in the face of all skepticism, in the face of all hindrance, in the face of all opposition, in the face of all oppression, 
the palace of praise is fixing to start bearing up people right here in this service. And we're going to see Jesus say the words, thy sins be forgiven thee. Take up your bed and walk. Would you stand with me this morning?